going to read from Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to continue or finish the series, um, First Things First. And the subtitle this morning is a little bit different, Um, First Things First, and the subtitle is My Own Mess First. And uh, we're going to talk about what Jesus had to say about how we look at others, how we judge others, um, and how we need to first look at our own lives and our own mess. Uh, The words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read just the first five verses. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, Jesus said, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, uh, we just ask that in these moments that we share together today around your word, that you would speak to our hearts. I ask God that you would arrest the attention of everyone listening this morning, and I pray, God, that your word would challenge us and change the way that we relate to one another and how we work together in the body of Christ. I ask God that you would help me to speak not a single word of my own and that your anointing that is undeserved and could never be earned would rest upon my life as I share your word. And may the word of the Lord change us in these moments together today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today, as we uh, conclude the series, First Things First, we're going to explore the issue of criticism within the body of Christ or among the people of God. Now, it's important as we look at this text that we understand and wrap our minds around the context of what is taking place here. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has already made it very clear to specifically his disciples that the nature of a person is not always perceivable by just looking at the outside. Remember, Jesus said, um, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites standing and loud on the street corners. People may think that they're spiritual, but Jesus said they've already received their reward. And when you give, don't give and scream and holler and let everybody know what you've given. And so the attention is drawn to yourself. People might think that's spiritual, but the reality is that the father who sees in secret knows what's really going on in your heart. He said that also about fasting. And so the point that Jesus has made up to this point is that outside evaluation doesn't tell the whole story. What you see in somebody from the outside really doesn't tell us what is going on on the inside. And so that is most certainly applicable when we talk about judging one another or criticizing one another. As I read this text, I think it, it first of all, would be a little bit surprising if any of the disciples would really want to judge one another after all the things that Jesus has said. First of all, he told them to rejoice when they're persecuted He told them that their righteousness had to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. He said, if you're angry with your brother and you call him a fool, you are in danger of hellfire. 
He said, if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, you're supposed to turn and let them slap you on the other cheek. And then he ended by saying, if you don't forgive your brother, don't expect the father to forgive you your sins. Now, after all of that, I find it a little bit hard to believe that you would even consider judging somebody else after you had just heard that. But Jesus wanted to make sure. And so he gives them this teaching on how they are to relate to one another and how they are to approach very carefully the issue of judging one another. In this context, Jesus does three things in these five verses. First of all, he makes a very strong warning. Don't judge so that you're not judged. And if you do judge, you're going to have the same measure right back at you. And then he shares what really is kind of an absurd parable takes a picture right out of the carpenter's workshop, a particular and purposefully absurd story, kind of like the camel going through the eye of a needle to make the point. And he gives this story about a man with a big, long telephone pole in his eye, trying to help somebody get a speck out of their own. And then he ends by giving a decisive directive. Get the beam out of your own eye before you try to get the speck out of your brothers. Athanasius, one of the great church fathers said, you cannot put straight in others what is warped in yourself. If you're trying to straighten somebody else up and you still have that area of your own life warped, you're not going to get it done. The issue here again is a first things first issue. Before you judge or criticize someone else, deal, Jesus said, with your own mess first. I want to begin by talking about what Jesus is not saying, because this scripture is so abused and misused so often. What is Jesus not saying? Let me share with you four things very quickly. Number one, he is not saying that we should not judge and be discerning in regard to teachers and their doctrine. In other words, Jesus doesn't say it's wrong to call out that which is untrue doctrine. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. He goes on to describe the kind of fruit that people might bear. He ends this text by saying, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, or a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he ends by saying, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So Jesus doesn't say you can't discern whether or not someone is teaching the truth or not. We should, by all means, do that. Secondly, he is not saying that we should not confront someone privately when they sin against another person, whether it be sexually or ethically or financially. Matthew 18, the same gospel, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he doesn't hear you, take with you one or two more. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. If he refuses to hear him, them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be like to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So Jesus didn't say, just let sin go. He didn't say, if someone abuses someone else, you're to let it go. He said, you are to challenge and confront that. Thirdly, Jesus did not say that we are to overlook 
sexual sin within the church that has become known publicly. As a matter of fact, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I won't read the whole text, but, but Paul makes it very clear that there has been reported immorality in the church at Corinth. In fact, he said it is such immorality that it's not even been named among the Gentiles. And Paul goes on to give instructions as to how they are to deal with that sin in the church. And number four, he is not saying that we should not seek to correct and restore a fellow brother or believer who is strayed. In Galatians 6 and verse 1, if your brother is overtaken in a trespass, those of you who are spiritual are to restore them in the spirit of gentleness. But you need to watch yourself lest you also become tempted. Now, everybody who's listening to this today has always, has at some point in your life heard someone say, judge not, lest you be judged. And it's as if we are to never point out error. That's not what Jesus is saying. All of these that I've mentioned are legitimate and necessary actions that need to take place within the church body to maintain purity and godliness. And the words of Jesus here are not meant to discourage godly confrontation. So what is Jesus saying? Well, number one, he is forbidding the sort of fault-finding or the fault-finding mentality and speech that is likely to rebound to the very person who exercises it. In Judges, or excuse me, James chapter 2 and verse 13, Jesus says, Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. In other words, if you've not shown mercy to someone else, don't expect to receive mercy yourself. In James 4, do not speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge your brother? And then in James 5 and verse 9, James says, don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned said that Augustine encouraged conversation at meals. He wanted people to talk around the table. But there was a rule that he strictly enforced, and that was that the character of an absent person should never be negatively discussed. He had a warning to this effect carved on a plaque attached to the table. Augustine knew that it was not the place of Christians to attack someone's character. And this is what Jesus is addressing. Secondly, the critic who is blind, said R.T. France, to his own, his or her own failings, is living in a make-believe world where one can exempt themselves from the standards to which others are expected to perform. Our worldly society doesn't tolerate that. We call that hypocrisy, much less should we tolerate that or allow that in the church. Jesus is saying, first of all, it is inappropriate to draw attention to another's failing when our own is much greater. There's nothing wrong with trying to help someone, but if we are unaware of our own failing, 
We are not in a position to help them. It is not only inappropriate, it is impractical. Hence the parable of having a telephone pole in my eye, going into an operating room and trying to get a speck out of yours with this big old telephone pole banging around. It is impractical and inappropriate. And thirdly, one who judges or criticizes without first consider their own failings will likely find themselves turned on as well. There are some cultural axioms that make this point. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. And we've all heard and said, what goes around comes around. That's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to judge somebody without considering your own issues, don't be surprised when it is fired right back at you. Thomas Akempis, also one of the great church fathers, said, Be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Why are the words of Jesus so important to us regarding this subject? Let me just uh, pause for a moment and say, as I preach this message, most of us are spending our time uh, inside our homes spending a lot of time with just a handful of people. Certainly a lot of people are on social media. And uh, this is a good time for us to really consider how damaging our critical behavior and our judgmentalism can be in the body of Christ. Let me share with you just four very important, they're very practical, they're very simple, but I think really important truths. Number one, um, when we judge others recklessly, they may, be, they may become completely paralyzed with fear of being criticized harshly and their gift to the body of Christ, therefore lost. If, if someone feels like they're always going to be attacked and always nitpicked and criticized, they may just withdraw. And the gift that God has given to them, they may not use in the body of Christ. They could change people's lives, but because they're afraid of our critical attitudes, they pull back and are never able to use or free to use those gifts. Oswald Chambers said, a man who is continually criticized becomes good for nothing. The effect of criticism knocks all the gumption and power out of him. A person that has a gift that God has given to them is afraid to use it because they're afraid that in the body of Christ, so often critical, they will be criticized and judged. And so they pull back and they're paralyzed by fear. Secondly, um, when the atmosphere of criticism is not checked in the church, many a newborn babe in Christ will fear stepping out and their growth in Christ can be stunted completely. One of the things that I've talked to all of you about so often is as we continue to grow and we reach people who were not raised in church, who did not have the experiences we have had, they come to us different. Mm -hmm. They come to us not with the same understanding to the same traditions we have. And sometimes as a result of that, they may engage in a way that we might, if we're not careful, be critical of. How many new believers in Christ get stamped out before they even grow? Because there are critical people in the church, judgmental people that hurt them, and their spiritual life is snuffed out so easily. Let me just say this. In Revelation 12, 
um, John has this vision. And in the vision, he sees a woman getting ready to give birth to a child, a man child. And John sees the dragon, which is representative of Satan, standing there ready to destroy the child as soon as it is born. And while there are certainly end times pictures that we can draw from that, there is a, a truth that is universal. And that is that every time there is new life, Satan wants to destroy it. He wants to abort any new life that, that begins to emerge. And he certainly wants to do that with spiritual life. And how sad that he sometimes uses people in the body of Christ to destroy new life that is being born. We need to be careful that we don't destroy a babe in Christ because of our critical attitude. Thirdly, the church's witness is significantly undermined. When we are known for being critical and judgmental. The Corinthian church was challenged by the Apostle Paul to stand out and shine. Corinth was a city, listen, we, we need to get this context. Corinth was a city that had temples on every corner. We talk about having churches on every corner. They had temples to false gods on every corner in Corinth. There were temples everywhere. Paul's concern was that the body of Christ, the church, was a place where the temple of God, the new temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we would stand out and be different than any of those other temples. Paul's concern was love and the lost. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians, don't sue each other because the world sees that and they want nothing to do with you. That's why he said, don't argue about the Lord's table in communion. You're having fights about that and the world sees that and they're not interested in you. That's why he said, when you come together and, and everybody speaks in tongues at one time and somebody that comes in that's not a believer thinks you're crazy and you run them out, that's not love, Paul said. His concern was that the church be the temple of the Holy Spirit that stands stronger and greater than any of those temples to the false gods. And so that's why he says this in 1 Corinthians 3. I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, you're carnal, for there is envy and strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and you're behaving like mere men? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Paul said, don't ruin your chance to be a witness in the community by everybody hearing that you are critical of one another. And number four, when we are critical of one another within the body of Christ, we can expect our own judgment to be harsh. Jesus said it very clearly. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You'll certainly be judged by others harshly. But you'll also be judged, Jesus said, by God. It's pretty sober. But the measure that we use to criticize and judge others, Jesus said we will be judged in that same manner. Johanna Reardon of Sycamore, Illinois, wrote these words. When our children were young, she said, my husband and I decided we wouldn't watch R-rated movies. We wouldn't allow our children to watch them. So we decided to watch them uh, 
so we decided that to watch them ourselves would be confusing to them. We made this decision in good conscience, and we never regretted it. Listen to this. I found, however, she said, that it made me feel judgmental toward other parents who watched R-rated movies. I began to feel they weren't fully committed to Christ because they watched things I decided not to watch. Even as I write this, she said, I realize how ridiculous it is to judge someone else's relationship with God by what rating of movies he or she watches. But it was so subtle at the time. Since it was a sacrificial commitment for me, I instinctively evaluated other people's spiritual dedication when they talked about the latest movie they'd watched. As I made this judgment, I never thought about my own set or all the things that that person was doing right that I wasn't doing right. Instead, I focused on this one thing and I thought they were doing everything wrong. The ability to see sin in others and ignore it in your own heart is one of the distinguishing characteristics of a Pharisee. And being a Pharisee is so easy. It's great to make rules to guide our own behavior, but when we extend those rules to everyone around us, we're in danger of becoming pharisaical. Now, I'm not certainly encouraging anyone to watch an R-rated movie or any particular movie. I'm saying we have to guard our hearts that we don't begin to look at our own lives and our own convictions and judge everybody else based on ours. Jesus said, don't do that. You've got still a beam in your own eye that you need to deal with. So how do we guard against the danger of being judgmental? The entirety of the Sermon on the Mount really addresses this. Jesus said, said develop a meekness that is gentle and humble. Hunger and thirst yourself for righteousness. Have a passion to show mercy to others. Spend time in the secret place praying and fasting. If you'll work on all of those things, you'll be busy enough with your own life that you won't be seeing all the nitpicky things in everyone else's. And then Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount by saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But listen to this, but he who does the will of my Father. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Everybody who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. Listen, and great was the fall. How do we guard ourselves against being a Pharisee and hurting somebody and judging them and ruining new life and spiritual gifts and people and destroying a new baby in Christ? How do we guard against that? By hearing the word of God and doing it ourselves. Thomas Akempis prayed this prayer that we should all pray. Let not thy word, O Lord, become a judgment upon us that we hear it and do it not, that we believe it and obey it not. May we not just be hearers of the word, but instead develop a meekness, a humility, a kindness, and a mercy that we can show to others. 
Let's pray together. Maybe you're here this morning and uh, listening to my voice and you don't know Jesus. And maybe someone's hurt you. Maybe the critical nature of some, even in the church, has hurt you and driven you away. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus said to a woman caught in the very act of adultery, I'm not going to condemn you either. Go and sin no more. If you've been hurt, or if you've been afraid that people would be too judgmental, I'm promising you Jesus will not be. He wants to love you. He wants to restore you. So if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that as I pray right now. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Jesus, that... um, It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Lord, I ask your forgiveness in my life when I have been harshly critical of others and maybe have even stunted or paralyzed their spiritual development because I've been so critical. I don't know what's going on in their hearts. It's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. You can pray loud and you can get big and you can fast and let everybody know it, but your heart may not be right. And on the flip side of that, You can do some things externally wrong and your heart still long for Jesus. Teach us, Lord, to uh, be wise enough not to go to a place that is relegated only to you and your spirit. And that's the motive of a person's heart. We don't know that and we can't know that. Teach us, Lord, not to be critical and to judge so that we can build one another up instead of tearing one another down. And for that person that doesn't know you today, Lord, your word says all they have to do is confess with their mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord, and they have to believe. It's not just words. There has to be a heart belief. They confess with their mouth. They believe with their heart. And if they'll do that and call out to you right now, the Bible says they'll be saved. They'll become a child of God. So I pray, Lord, that those hearing me today if they don't know you, would say, Jesus, come into my life. Help me to grow. Help me to become everything that you've called me to be. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you now just to join with our worship team as they lead us in a couple of choruses, and then we'll close with a few minutes of prayer. But just enter in and worship.